Um, I was told by Patrick that, that you all are going through a series, um, uh, basically looking at uh, the life of, of David. And uh, I think that's really awesome, uh, because David, uh, you know, is, is a, I think it's a great, um, you know, he's a great character uh, in history, in the Bible. Um, and I think it's also very helpful for us as Christians, because oftentimes we, we um, you know, we being, uh, you know, Western, um, you know, people, we, we tend to inject ourselves into the story very often, you know, no matter what we're reading or, or watching. And we, we, we relate to the, the, the main characters uh, oftentimes too easily. Um, and so I think it's very important for us to look at someone like David because, you know, we tend to sometimes do that with David. You know, we, we see ourselves as being, you know, David and, you know, when David defeats Goliath, it's, it's us defeating, our, you know, our Goliaths. And, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but also, you know, the, one of the main things that, that David um, does in the Bible is point us not to ourselves, um, but points us to Christ. Uh, and so when we, when we read David, uh, especially in light of, of uh, the New Testament, you know, we, we realize that David is not really about us, but um, David is really um, about Jesus Christ. And so um, it's one of the, the things that I hope to accomplish this morning is as we look at David, um, especially in, in, his, in his interactions with, with his uh, BFF, Jonathan, that, that we can somehow um, also see Christ and that we can also be encouraged um, by who Christ is and what Christ um, has done for us. Um, so we're going to read this morning from uh, the book of 1 Samuel, um, chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Uh, and before uh, I read for us, let's, uh, let's come to the Lord uh, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for, uh, just for your grace and your, and your love to us. Um, God, we thank you that, uh, that you've loved us so richly, um, even before we, we, we loved you. Uh, and that in your great love for us, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, um, to this world um, to live the life that we couldn't live, uh, to, to die the, the death that we deserve to die, uh, and to be raised again to new life and to give us hope. And we pray, O oh God, that as we, um, we read and we think about um, the, the life of David, um, and we, that we would see Christ again, and that we'd be encouraged once again um, by Christ. So we pray, O oh God, that you would speak to us through your words, and that your words would be effectual um, for our salvation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. This is the word of the Lord. Just a a quick show of hands. How many of us have seen the movie uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas? Couple of us, all right. So I, I mean, I'll be very careful not to, uh, to 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 give any any plot spoilers. I think it's a great movie. I think you know it's it's a wonderful movie. You guys should probably watch it one of these days. But uh, this movie, uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, is um, a 2008 movie based on a novel written by John Boyne of the same name. Uh, and this movie um, centers around the, the lives of two eight-year-old boys, um, Bruno and Shmuel. Uh, and it centers around their lives as they develop uh, a friendship 
uh, with one another. Um, but this friendship is, is, is very interesting um, for a number of reasons. Um, see, Bruno's father um, is a Nazi commander. Uh, he was put in charge of a, of a concentration camp um, in which um, Shmuel and his family are um, residents in. And so you, you can, just off the bat, just notice that this friendship between Bruno and Shmuel then is, is, is a very uh, unconventional, very, very unlikely uh, kind of union that you wouldn't expect to, be, to, to form. Uh, but it does form, and this friendship um, grows and develops throughout this movie. Now, the relationship between David and, and Jonathan is also an example um, of a very unlikely friendship. Um, you see, David and, and Jonathan, uh, you know, if, if you were to, to imagine like a playground and you know, kids you know, gathering in, in cliques, they'd be the last two people that you think would be friends with one another. And this is because of who Jonathan and, and David were. So Jonathan was, was the son of Saul, the king of Israel. Um, and you know, as such, it was, it was most likely the case that Jonathan was the next in line to be king after Saul um, died. Um, David, however, was the, was the son of a, of, a very, of a very common man. He was the son of Jesse. Um, David was, was also a shepherd. And if, if you think about uh, you know, social, you know, the social ladder back then, the, the shepherd was just below the, the lowest rung in the social ladder. They, they, were, they, they were the most um, you know, marginalized uh, working class people uh, in that society. But David was also very different from Jonathan, and, and this friendship was very un- unlikely because uh, of who David was. Um, see, David, uh, though he was a lowly shepherd, though he was a son of a commoner, um, David was also anointed by Samuel, uh, by God through Samuel, to be the next king uh, of Israel. So again, you, then, so Jonathan is the, the son of Saul, the, the next in line to be king, theoretically. But then here's David, who's anointed by God himself to be king. And so this friendship then between David and Saul, again, it, it's, it, would, it, it wasn't something that you and I would, would expect to happen if we were alive during this time. And this friendship, again, was very, extremely unlikely. But this relationship about, uh, between David and Jonathan is not just a you know, historical event that, that, that you know, we can read about and, and just I don't know, gain some, some knowledge about. Um, this relationship teaches us about Jesus. Uh, and this, this teaches us about our relationship uh, with him. You see, many people uh, nowadays scoff at the possibility of us having uh, a relationship with God. Um, you know, some view God as being uh, rather aloof uh, and disinterested in the affairs uh, of humanity. Others view God as being uh, an impossible to please disciplinarian, um, someone who just is, can never be pleased with what we do. Still others view God as being uh, so wholly other than us, um, the, the perfect divine, um, omnipotent you know, creator of the universe, um, so completely different than us that the mere fact of, of, of us being able to relate to him is just impossible. But the good news of the gospel tells us that in Jesus, all of these claims are proven false. In Jesus, you know, we, we, we see that a relationship with God is not only possible, but it's given to us freely. Freely, not because of, of we earned, that, that we've earned it or we've merited it somehow, but freely because Christ himself has given it to us um, in the gospel. So the first thing that we see in this passage, uh, and the first thing that, that, um, that this passage teaches us, is about this kingship um, of, of David, and also this kingship then of, of, of Jesus. Um, this, this incident, it's important for us to realize that this incident, and this interaction between David and Jonathan, falls in the greater context of David becoming king. 
You can read all about that um, prior to this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. In chapter 16, David uh, was anointed by Samuel. Samuel went to the house of Jesse uh, to, to anoint David, the youngest son of Jesse, as the king of, of, of Israel. That's the next king, king of Israel. Then in, in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 17, uh, we, we read the accounts of the very well-known account of David's uh, battle with the giant Goliath. Um, now, both of these events, uh, again, um, kind of are, are built upon the fact that David is the next king of Israel, confirmations uh, that David is, is the king of Israel. And then after this passage, uh, in 1 Samuel uh, 22 and, uh, and 23 and, and, and following, there, there are mu- many more uh, confirmations uh, of the fact that, Jesus, that David is the next king of Israel. In 1 Samuel 22, uh, David uh, gains an army of, of, of followers, you know, men who were are, are, are marginalized, uh, criminals, uh, outcasts who, who choose to follow David instead of following Saul. And in 1 Samuel 23, um, David and his, and his, and his ragtag army um, uh, gain military defeats against the Philistines and other enemies. Uh, and then finally, in 2 Samuel 2, uh, David becomes king of Israel. And in this passage, even, we see confirmations. And uh, again, this building... Um, these building proofs that David is, in fact, the next king of Israel. And we see that in a couple of places. We see that the fact that David gains the approval of both Saul and Jonathan. Um, we're told in, in verse 2 that on that very day, Saul took David uh, into his own household, basically making Dave, uh, David um, equal um, to one of his sons, in, in like a, a de facto adoption of David. Um, and of course, we see also Jonathan's approval uh, of, of David as well. Um, we also see here in this passage that David uh, became a military leader. Um, Saul set him over the men of war. And that this action was not only approved by Saul and Jonathan and the men of war, but this action was very good in the sight of all the people. And so we see here, again, this confirmation um, all throughout Israel that David was you know, the king of Israel, that he was you know, on the tra- trajectory to being um, installed as a king of Israel. Now, David's ascension to the throne of Israel um, foreshadows for us Jesus' own ascension um, to his position as our king. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Uh, and uh, this fact is, is, uh, is true uh, from eternity past, and it will be true to eternity future. Um, and as such, then, Jesus Christ is, is Lord. You know, he is king. He was, he was, he is, and he will be king forever. Um, but there's also an aspect of Jesus' kingship and lordship that um, came true and came about through a process. Um, you know, if we read in, in, in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 through 11, we, we, we hear this, um, this, this very uh, stirring description of what Jesus did while on earth. And this is one of the, the uh, this, is a, this is a very mysterious passage in a sense. You know, there's a lot of questions that are left that this passage kind of opens up. Um, but again, this, 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 this passage teaches us that Jesus' ascension to the Lordship uh, it was a process that, that, took, that took place over time. So let me read this for us. Uh, Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Um, Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God 
the Father. See, this, this passage just lays out for us the fact that, that while Christ was God, um, he is God, he is Lord, he was Lord, there was nevertheless a process, um, the things that he did on earth that um, made him Lord, that resulted in him receiving this name above all names, that resulted in him, in him having a position um, of supreme lordship um, in our lives. Um, he came to this world. He, he suffered. He, he, he lived. He suffered. He died. He was raised again. This is all a process that Christ had to go through before he received um, this title, um, this position. You know, but Jesus, um, as king, is, 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 a, is a very unique king. Um, he's a very um, maybe counterintuitive king. Um, he isn't a domineering um, authoritarian king. You know, when we think about kings, we may think about, you know, a guy who just sets all the rules and, 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 and kind of is very, you know, uh, very concerned about justice and being rights. And, um, you know, you don't want to cross the king. You know, you don't, you don't want to, you know, we think of maybe, maybe Alice in Wonderland, you know, going to, to Wonderland and, and everyone, you know, whenever you know, she, someone messes up, it's, it's off with her head, right? The, the queen of, of, of cards is, is just so, like, you know, unmerciful and unmoving. Um, but that is not the kind of monarch and the kind of king that Jesus is. Instead, Jesus is a very friendly king. Now, I don't mean in, 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 in like the Casper the Ghost kind of friendly thing. He's, Jesus isn't a nice guy. He's, he's not, a, he's not a, a, you know, a, a nice king. Instead, you know, as a friendly king, Jesus is both our king and our friend. And we see that in this passage because this passage also teaches us about this friendship between David and Jonathan. And this passage tells us that Jonathan and David enjoyed a very unique kind of intimacy. Um, we're told that uh, in verse 1, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And as a result, Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, I think the modern term for this kind of relationship that we see in David and Jonathan is, is a bromance. Um, <laughs> If I can say that about Jesus, uh, about David, David had a bromance with, with Jonathan. Um, ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon. Uh, Felix and Oscar. Uh, Troy and Abed. Uh, even Bert and Ernie. Right? These are all examples of, of, of very close and intimate relationships between two men. Um, so close and so intimate, yet not you know, going into a sexual intimacy. Simply a friendship. Um, simply, a, you know, a, but a very close one, and again, a very intimate one. Um, you know, if, if you are a, a guy in here and you have a best friend, you know, don't be ashamed to, to say that you're in a bromance. You know, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's okay for us to have close friends. You know, guys who we can call whenever, we, you know, we need to talk to someone. You know, if, you know, um, no, no judgments, but you know, if, if you're ever in jail, right, if you ever, you know, spend a night in jail, the guy who you would call to bail you out of, of, of jail, um, your best man at your wedding, um, you know, just, 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 just this guy who you feel is, is like, you know, who knows you like no one else, who can relate to you like no one else. Um, you know, this is what characterized this relationship between David and Jonathan. They were so close, so intimate with one another. Um, they were like brothers um, towards one another. Now, amazingly, right, this intimate relationship that David had with Jonathan, this relationship uh, is very similar to the one that we have with Jesus. So Jesus, the, the, the all-powerful um, king of the universe, the one who, through whom all things were created, um, he and, and us, we have this relationship with this intimacy. 
Um, you know, in John 15, uh, you know, we, we see a very, uh, very interesting uh, de- uh, depiction of Jesus and his disciples. Um, so Jesus was, was about to go to the cross and, and about to do, uh, you know, the, the most wonderful thing in all of history. And, and, and his disciples were, were wondering, were sitting around, meanwhile, you know, arguing, you know, who was going to be the greatest? You know, who was the greatest disciple? Who was going to be the greatest in heaven? And so, this is, and, and so in, in order to teach his disciples what, you know, the kingdom of God was like, Jesus proceeds to, to do something that's completely scandalous and, and insane. What does he do? He washes their feet to show them just what the, the, the character of, of his kingship, of his lordship. See, Jesus Christ was willing to, to not be a, a domineering, you know, authoritarian king, but he was willing and wanting to come and serve those whom he, you know, his subjects, his people. Uh, and, and one of the, the, the most interesting parts of this passage is that in this passage, Jesus refers to his disciples not as subjects, not as, um, as, as, as his people or as his followers, but he refers to them as his friends. Jesus calls his disciples, this uh, you know, group of bumbling, stumbling you know, um, idiots, those who messed up constantly, those who doubted his identity as, as Christ, he called them his friends. In the same way, he invites us into this, this relationship, this, this friendship. Um, he invites us into this intimacy that, that he shares with the Father and the Holy Spirit, this, in, this relationship that existed from eternity past um, and then it will exist forever. He, Jesus Christ invites us into this relationship, into this intimacy with God himself. But we also see here that since we are in this relationship with God, and with Jesus, that we must love him. We must respond to, to Jesus with love. We see that because Jonathan did things for David because of his love um, for him. And we see this in a couple of ways. In verse 2, um, we're told that, that Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Now, um, every human interaction that, that, that can possibly be had here on earth is governed by a covenant. Um, you know, for example... Um, you know, if we go to the, the, the gas station to purchase gas, you know, what do we do? Um, we go to the gas attendant, and we get, hand them a $20 bill, and then that person turns on the gas for us to pump. Um, we have um, an obligation in the, in the covenant to pay the money, and that person has an obligation to you know, give us gas. Um, when we're driving on a busy road, uh, we, we resolve and we promise to stay in our lane uh, Meanwhile, trusting that the other drivers also are going to uphold their end of the covenants and stay in their lanes and not come over and, 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 and bash us. Um, and so covenants, you know, are, are things that, you know, we may not even realize or, you know, they, they aren't formalized necessarily all the time, um, but sometimes they are. Um, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a marriage, you know, we make a covenant, a very public, a very formalized covenant with our spouse to love them, uh, you know, to, to be faithful to them. Uh, in, in, in for better or for worse, you know, to death do us part. Um, now, friendships also require covenants. Um, again, sometimes, you know, they're very oftentimes not formalized in, in, in like a, you know, we don't, you don't have a friendship ceremony to, you know, to publicly, you know, make vows to, you know, to uphold this covenant. But we all know about, you know, making covenantal vows with our friends, right? Again, you know, if, you know, you know we, we, we call them up every, every so often. We, we, we meet up with them. We, 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 we trust that, that our friend isn't going you know, isn't, isn't to um, 
betray our trust by, by sharing secrets that, that we tell them with others. Um, we, we promise to, to be there for them whenever they need us. Um, the, the, these, these vows are, though they're not explicitly stated, we make these covenantal vows with our friends. Um, and then the details of, this, of the covenants, um, though, though the details of the covenant that David made with, with, or that Jonathan made with David are not given to us, um, we understand what this covenant probably entailed. Um, we understand that this covenant just, was just a symbol and it's a, 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 a summary of the fact that, that Jonathan really cared for, for David, that he, was, you know, he, that he wanted to be there for David, that he wanted to make himself available for him. Um, he promised himself to David. He bound himself to David. Um, he, again, just wanted to be a good friend to David. But we also see here in, in, in this passage that, David's, or that Jonathan's friendship with David required him, or that resulted in him, giving to David things of great value. Um, uh, in verse 3, we're, we're told that Jonathan, uh, or in verse 4, we're told that Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, we, we don't exactly know if Jonathan was aware of the fact that David was the next son, was, was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. Um, he might have known, he may not have known. Um, but so this is not necessarily uh, Jonathan's uh, abdicating of, of the fact that he is the next king of Israel. You know, this isn't exactly necessarily his giving the throne to David. Um, but what it was was, 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 was simply, um, at the very least, was, it, was, it was his demonstration um, of his devotion, of his love for David. Um, and these things that, that, that Jonathan gave to David were highly symbolic of this. Um, this robe that, that Jonathan gave to David was most likely a royal robe that the son um, of, of the king would receive, uh, the, 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 the son who would become the next king would receive. Um, the sword, the bow, and the belt were things that were used in war. Uh, and, you know, when we think about kings nowadays, we, we, we think about a, you know, a guy sitting on a throne with, you know, a big you know, pointed you know, crown and wearing, you know, extravagant things. Um, but back in these days, the king was a mighty warrior, uh, the one who led his army out into battle. Um, this was, 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 uh, was, was uh, the, the vision and, and, the, and the description of the king. So these things, the sword, um, the bow, and the belt, were things that the king would use in battle daily. So as Jonathan, um, these things were, were things that he would use as the next king of Israel. And so these things that, that, that Jonathan gave to David uh, are, are similar to things like uh, um, uh, priceless family heirlooms that we might have in our possessions. You know, things that, that we you know, that are ours, right? And that aren't anyone else's, right? These are, are, are things that are of, of, of great value to us, maybe our most prized possessions. So these, this is what the, uh, these things were to Jonathan, his most prized possessions, things that, that belong to him and no one else. And the fact that Jonathan gave these things to David um, informs then what we must do for Jesus, informs how we must respond to what Jesus has done for us. We must also make a covenant uh, with Jesus. Um, now, the epistles uh, in, in the New Testament contain um, instructions for us in light of our relationship with Jesus. And one of the, the clearest instructions that we find is found in Colossians. Um, Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses eight, uh, 8 and 12. Let me read that for us. Get there. So Colossians 3, chapter 8, or chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 12. In, in verse 8, um, sorry, verse 5, Paul says this. Paul says, 
Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then in, in verse 12, he says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, again, we, we may or may not um, you know, realize this, but as Christians, we make very formalized uh, covenantal vows to Jesus. Um, when we become, um, when we get baptized as infants and when we get confirmed as adults or baptized as, as, as adults, we stand before the church and we vow uh, certain things. We, we enter into, into, into a, a very explicit covenantal relationship with Jesus, promising to do things, promising to not do certain things. Um, we make vows to Jesus, and it's very important for us to do that. But it's also very important for us to make, um, you know, less explicit vows, and to, make less, to make a less explicit covenant with Jesus. Um, it's important for us to, to do things like honor Jesus with our words and actions. You know, whether we are in church during worship, whether we are out with our friends on a Friday night, whether we are at work on a Thursday afternoon, you know, our actions, our words should honor Christ, um, should, should glorify Christ. Um, you know, we, we, we should be meeting with him um, on a daily basis, and just as it'd be weird for us to, to, to not meet with our friends every so often, it's odd for us to not meet with Christ. And we can meet with Christ, you know, through prayer and, and through reading the Bible. You know, we don't need to go to, you know, climb a, 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 a mountain or go on some, you know, pilgrimage to some far-off distant place. We can just meet with Christ in the comforts of our own home, in the quiet of our own home, um, through prayer uh, and meditating on his word. But we must also give things of great value um, to Jesus. Um, and one of the, the, the a very explicit ways that we can do this is through our tithes and offerings. Um, we bring um, you know, money to, to church to, to give to Christ, to give to his church so, um, so that it might be used for his glory, so that it might be used to, to spread the gospel um, to the world. Uh, we can also give um, you know, in, in, you know, less formally you know, with, the, with the rest of the way that we spend our money. You know, do, we, do we spend money, uh, is, is it just that 10% or whatever it belongs to Christ and everything belongs to us? Or is that everything that we have belongs to Christ? You know, nowadays, however, um, you know, money may not be the most valuable thing that we have. You know, um, their expression, time is money, you know, I think is, is very relevant to us. You know, we, we have time, and oftentimes time is so extremely valuable to us that we want to just, you know, we need to micromanage our time in order for, you know, so that it, it, it goes to the most valuable places. Well, how much time do we devote to Christ? Um, how much time is, is God's time? How much time is ours? You know, do, we, do we just carve out a very small sliver of our, of our week uh, in coming to, to Sunday worship, and then the rest of our time throughout the week is ours? Um, all that we have, um, our money, our time, um, we should give to Christ. But most importantly, um, we must give our lives. Um, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1, it, 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 it tells us that, that our lives are a living sacrifice to God. You know, now, this doesn't mean that, that we all have to go to Iraq or, or North Korea and, and be physically, you know, physical martyrs uh, for, for Christ. But what this means is that our entire lives should be lived for the glory of, of God. And everything that we do, um, you know, there are no such things as, as, as inconsequential or small things that we could do um, for God. Even things like preparing our, our, our children's uh, lunches for the day, um, you know, uh, talking, cutting our grass, you know, talking with our neighbors. All these things can be done unto the glory of God, and we should do them to the glory, unto the glory of God. Our entire lives should be living sacrifices 
to God. But the reality is, the reality is, is that no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do in terms of, of demonstrating our appreciation, our, our friendship with Jesus, um, we oftentimes fail. See, I'm sure all of us have, um, you know, good friends and bad friends, right? The, the good friends are those who, you know, call us, you know, every so often. The good friends are those who, you know, remember, remember our birthdays. I'm, I'm very bad at remembering birthdays. You know, when my friends' birthdays come, I always forget them. But I'm sure we all have friends who, you know, who, you know, send us cards on our birthdays without fail every year. Or they remember our anniversaries or they remember other special events. And they're, they're very good at, at sending reminders to us. But then we, I'm sure we have bad friends, right? friends who you know, forget our birthdays, friends who uh, never call us, friends who you know, maybe visit the, the part of the city that we live in and, and never even think to call us. Um, and we, when we evaluate ourselves and, and, and our ability to be friends, I'm sure all of us want so desperately to be good friends. Right? And we maybe even think that we're better friends than we really are. Um, and that's unfortunately the way that we feel about, oftentimes feel about our relationship with Christ. We oftentimes think that we're better friends to Jesus than we really are. But again, the reality is, is that we are pretty lousy friends. Um, we break our covenant with Jesus um, often, too often, by doing things that do not honor Christ, by, by failing to do the things that do honor Christ. Um, I'm, I'm sure you know, we, we've all been in situations at our workplaces where um, you know, something is going like, not as it should be going. People are, are maybe slandering others. People are gossiping about the boss. People are, are maybe doing things explicitly illegal. And we stand by and we, you know, allow it to happen. Or maybe even uh, more, more, more terribly, people are even, even talking badly about our, our, our Lord and, Christ and, and God. People are, are uh, misrepresenting Christ. And yet we stand by and, and do nothing and let that happen. Um, we neglected meeting with him. We, 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 you know, we, maybe some of us started Bible reading plans you know, for, the, for New Year's resolutions to read the Bible in a year. I know I, I did, and full disclosure, I'm already like three days behind. Um, <laughs> we neglect meeting with him. We, we, we say we're going we're to get more you know, into prayer and, and, get, and do our quiet times more regularly tomorrow. And yet tomorrow comes and goes, and that, that doesn't change. We neglect um, you know, just to taking time away from our you know, busy schedules to meet with, with our friend, with our Lord, Jesus Christ. We fail to give things of value to Jesus. Um, we, we hold on to things that we should be giving to him. Uh, we, we think that oh, this is much more, it's better that I hold on to this than, than give to Christ. We, we say th- that, that we'll give him things, and we say that we are giving him things that are, that are valuable that maybe aren't so valuable. You know, instead of giving him the prime time, uh, you know, prime real estate, we give him things that are, are, are less um, valuable. Um, we give things um, to Christ begrudgingly, um, thinking that, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to do this, but I know I have to, so I'm going to do it. Um, you know, we fail to give things of value to Christ. But the good news of the gospel is that Christ is the perfect friend to us. See, even though we are, are pretty lousy friends to Jesus, even though we fail time and time again to, to uphold the covenant with, that we made with him, we fail to give him things that, that, that are of value to Christ, Christ never fails. So Jesus made a covenant with us that he keeps perfectly. And one of the great, um, the, the most obvious signs of this is the, the, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. See, Jesus Christ instituted the Lord's Supper as a sign of this covenant that he made. 
This covenant involved, and it wasn't just empty words that, that, that Jesus made. It wasn't just empty promises. But this covenant involved the spilling of his blood. Um, it was sealed with the spilling of his blood, the giving of his own life. And then whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we, we, we remember this. It's a physical, um, ongoing reminder of Jesus' covenantal love for us. And Jesus also gives us things of, of infinitely great value. And in Galatians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 7, Paul tells us that, that, we've, that Jesus has given us his inheritance. He has made us joint heirs with him in the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus Christ, as the only begotten Son of God, you know, was, was entitled to this, this, this inheritance um, as God's heir. But he has made us fellow heirs. He has invited us to receive the same promises, the same blessings that he himself has received. And we also see that he has given us great value, things of great value, in giving us his own life. Going back to the passage in, in Philippians chapter 2, um, this emphasis is made in, in the fact that Jesus Christ, in his obedience, right, went to the cross. He went to the cross and died for us, giving um, of himself the most valuable thing that he could ever give, his own life, because of the fact that he loves us, because of the fact that he is our perfect friend. Now, in the movie, uh, boy in, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, um, this movie um, ends very tragically. And again, I, I won't give the, the ending away, um, but the, the friendship between Bruno and Schmuel develops throughout the movie. Uh, and it develops in, in, in very, um, oftentimes, like, like heartfelt and touching ways, especially um, for Bruno. See, Bruno um, you know, notices that Schmuel is in this concentration camp, that he's, you know, he's hungry and he's bored and he, and he looks very lonely. So Bruno does his best to really cheer up Shmuel. Um, Bruno brings Shmuel leftovers from, from his family dinner. Um, he comes and, and, and plays games with Shmuel. He, he tries to encourage Shmuel when Shmuel looks particularly down or, or, or downcast. Um, and what we really get a sense of here is that Bruno is developing a great love for Shmuel and Shmuel is developing a great love for Bruno. But although Bruno did everything he possibly could do for Shmuel, um, and, he, and he gave everything that he could possibly give to Shmuel, Bruno could not save Shmuel from the horrors of this camp. Now, unlike this movie, um, our relationship with Jesus is not a tragedy. You know, like Bruno, Christ gave everything that he could for us. In fact, he went to the cross to die for us. But Jesus' death was not uh, merely a sentimental or a tragic demonstration of love and friendship because Jesus Christ did not remain in the grave. Instead, three days after he died, he was raised again from the dead in glory and now sits at the right hand of God the Father as our King. This is who Christ is. This is who Christ is for us. He is our King. He is our friend. You know, and, and my hope and my, and my prayer is that um, for those of us who do, not, do not, not know Christ in this way, that you will come to know him in this way. Christ offers you this relationship with himself, with the Father, that we could never earn on our, on our own. And he offers us freely in the gospel. For those of us who, who do have a relationship with Christ, my hope is that we would be encouraged, that we would be exhorted to pursue after this relationship further, that we would be encouraged um, when, we, you know, when, when we fail to be good friends with Christ, that we'd be encouraged that you know, Christ is a friend, that, that his friendship and love covers our mistakes but also that we'd be exhorted to, to be better friends of Christ, to, to, to renew and to uphold our covenantal vows that we made to Christ.
and also to give things to him that are of great value. So this is our Lord, Jesus Christ, our King and our friend.